Okay, we're in lesson twenty nine, folks. We're gonna we're we're looking at Deuteronomy. We're into the second message. Remember, I told you that uh, Deuteronomy is broken up into four messages, and then the final section, the fifth section, is concerning um, the transition from Moses to Joshua. So we're gonna start the second message today, and to be honest with you, we're having to divide that into two parts, because it's a lot, it's actually the biggest section of Deuteronomy. It runs from chapter 4 all the way to chapter 26, although we're just going to go to chapter 11 today, okay? So we're looking at chapter 4, we're going to look at verse 44 through chapter 11. So we're going to break it up into two parts. Okay, so we're going to see, first of all, the first section of the message is a restatement of the law at Horeb. Okay, so here's what happens, okay? This is 40 years after they left Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai. That generation that was at Mount Sinai that heard the law is now dead. The only ones who are not dead are Moses, Joshua, Caleb. Everybody else was either young or was born since that time. So they weren't there when the original law was given. So what happens is, is Moses now is using these messages to remind them of the law. So they need to be reminded of the law. Do, do, do you understand? So, so that they know what things are. I mean, we, we're the same way. We have to be reminded of the law. For instance, that's why there's speed limit signs, right? I mean, we may not we may not pay attention to them, okay? But there are speed limit signs to remind you that when you drive through town, you can you can't drive through town going eighty. Maybe at one o'clock in the morning, but you know you can't drive through town going eighty. It's what twenty five in Kerbinsville Borough. You know, so you have reminders to remind you of the law. So that's the first thing we're going to see here is is a reminder of the law. Then, again, we're going to see in the second section that there are, again, some more commands and some warnings, okay? Always warnings. All right, so let's look at this. First of all, the setting. Moses set forth God's law while Israel was east of the Jordan in the land of Sion. Now, remember, Sion was the king, the Amorite king, that they had defeated, and they had taken over that land, and that's where they were east of the Jordan, in the land of Sion, in the land of the Amorites, that they had taken over and given to the three tribes, Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh. And they're getting ready to cross over. they just got to cross over to Jordan into the land. So Moses is taking that time now to remind them of God's laws. Okay? So... Moses calls Israel to the reality that God's laws are necessary for their survival as a nation. So when you look at chapter 5, first five verses there, he's stressing to them the reason for the laws is so that they are able to survive as a nation. Now this is a great general principle that you and I need to understand. So a lot of times when you hear people complain about Christianity or they complain about 
the Christian faith or they complain about the Bible, one of the things you'll hear them complain about, it's nothing but a bunch of rules. People trying to tell me how to live my life. Have you ever heard that? Okay. Well, yeah, that's exactly right. And the reason why is God's trying to spare you. He's trying to spare you a lot of grief. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's trying to spare you a lot of grief. I think all of us here have had some sort of experience in our life. Like, okay, let's take, have you ever had your parents tell you not to do something? Have you ever, ever had a parent tell you not to do something? I mean, we all have, right? That's what parents do. They tell you what not to do. And, 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 and you're like, oh, they're just, they're just wanting to cage me. I feel like a bird in a cage. My parents are trying to cage me in. I, I just, if they would just let the door open and let me fly out, things would be better, right? So you ignored what they told you not to do, right? And you did it. And you faced the consequences. Not from them necessarily, although you may have faced consequences from them, but you faced the consequences because you did what they warned you not to do, and then guess what? It opened up a whole new reality to you, and you realized, boy, they were, I should have listened to mom and dad, right? Should have listened to them. It's the same thing with God. God, when he sets out these things in his word, is trying to spare you because he knows that if you enter into sin, sin is always going to what? Destroy your life. It's not that he's trying to squelch you or keep you from freedom. It's not that he's wanting to be a cosmic killjoy and not allow you to have happiness. He wants you to experience happiness, but happiness within the bounds because he knows if you cross those bounds, you may actually maybe for the moment have some happiness, but the long-term ramification of that is heartbreak. So that's what he's telling here. That's what he's telling Israel. He's, he's telling them, look, these laws are necessary for your survival as a nation. Okay? Now, what follows then is, in chapter 5, verses 6 through 21, is the Ten Commandments. And we've already gone through these. I'm just going to touch on them again. Okay? Remember we did this in a prior lesson when the Ten Commandments were given in the book of Exodus. So we're up to Deuteronomy now. We've already gone through Leviticus and Numbers, so this has been a few weeks back. But let's kind of go through these real quick. Ten Commandments. Number one, have no other gods before him. Israel was commanded to have no other gods before him. Very first commandment. How'd they do? No, not good. Even to this day, not good, right? Okay. Second commandment, do not make an idol to represent the Lord. No graven images. Now, it's interesting because a lot of times people will say, no idols, we're not allowed to make any idols. No, no, it specifically is saying Israel was not to make any image that represented who? God. He cannot be represented by any image. They were not to do that. Third one, don't misuse the name of the Lord. I mean, you've heard that when you were growing up. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. You know, you've all heard that. Well, yeah, don't misuse the name of God. Okay? Don't misuse the name of God. All right? This is what Israel was not supposed to do. 
here's the, the fourth one. Observe the Sabbath and keep it holy. Now, just so you know, I know when I grew up, I, I heard I, I was around Christian people. They always referred to the Sabbath as Sunday. How many of you ever heard of keep the Sabbath holy? And they were talking about Sunday. The Sabbath is not Sunday, folks. The Sabbath starts Friday evening at the setting of the sun to when? The next day on Saturday when the sun goes down. That's the Sabbath. The Sabbath is Saturday. Okay? But they were to keep it holy. Fifth one. You've heard your parents say that. Honor your mother and father. Right? Honor your mother and father. And it says, so that you have a long life. Isn't that interesting? Honor your mother and father so that you have a long life. What does that mean? Because they'll kill you if you don't. No, that's not what it's saying. But because there's a general principle, if you understand respect, you'll live a long life. That's what the issue is here. Okay? Six, do not murder. Thou shalt not kill. Some people will misappropriate that commandment to mean you can't go to war. That's not what it's talking about there. It's talking about murder. Do not murder somebody. Do not commit adultery. Verse 18, chapter 5. All right, final three. Do not steal. We all know these, hopefully. Number nine, do not bear false witness against your neighbor. Okay, do not bear false witness. That's in verse 20. And then verse 10 has to do, the issue is coveting, period. It's don't covet, but it's telling you what not to covet in the commandment. Verse 21 shows us, do not covet your neighbor's wife and things. So when you see what your neighbor has, maybe you're not interested in a wife, but you like their truck. That's coveting. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? Boy, he's got a mean, you know, a mean truck. I wish I had that truck. That's coveting. Don't do that. Okay? Why? Because that deals with the issue of contentment. Because why? Who gives you what you have? God is the one who ultimately gives you what you have. And so it's a lack of contentment with what God has given you, okay? So these are the Ten Commandments. Now, it's always interesting. I mentioned this to you before when we went through this. It's always interesting to me. I meet people all the time, and they tell me, I try to keep the Ten Commandments. Really? Can you name them? And they maybe get one right, but then they add others to it that have never that aren't even in it. Do you know what I'm saying? So people don't know what they are, but they feel like we need to have them. But let me just remind you, the Ten Commandments were given to who? Israel. Israel. Okay? So we need to recognize that. All right? Given to Israel. Now, let's go on. Now comes the issue of a mediator. All right? Now, this is the Old Testament. This is before Jesus. God's on the mountain. The people, first of all, Moses in his 40 years later recalled that the people, being fearful, requested a mediator to hear from God. So when they saw the mountain with its thunderings and its lightnings and, and, and whatever else was happening and the earthquakes, they didn't see God. They saw the presence of God affecting the mountain. 
they became very fearful and they decided in their heart, there's no way that we could connect with this God. We need somebody to go be in between us, a mediator, somebody to talk to God and, and hear what he says and come back and tell us. And so Moses is reminding them that they needed that. Okay, and so then listen, God says, the Lord affirmed the people's request and Moses was appointed the mediator. God says, you know, they're right. They have a right to be fearful. They have a right to, to decide that they can't do this. And so they appointed Moses to be the mediator. Okay? The mediator. That was then. That was the old covenant. Okay? We're in the new covenant now. Do we need to go to anybody to be our mediator between us and God? Now, Jesus is our mediator, right? Is in the fact that's what Hebrews says. We have a great high priest. You know what I'm saying? Who intercedes for us. You can just go to, you don't need, you know, sometimes people say, oh, you know, I need, I need you to pray for me. No, you don't need to go to me and say, I need you to pray for me. You can go to God and talk to him directly yourself and say, God, I need your help. I'm no special guy. Did you understand? We have a denomination that goes, you got to go to so-and-so to pray for you. No, you don't. There is no mediator. There's only one mediator now between you and God. Who's that, folks? Jesus. And how do you connect with Jesus? Prayer. You talk to him. Do you understand what I'm saying? And you can go to him, and you can be a little bit more intimate with him than you would even if you were sitting in a booth talking to some guy through a screen. Do you know what I'm saying? And and he will communicate with you. So what? this is what we see here. The reaffirmation of the law. The Lord affirms the people's request, and Moses was appointed the mediator. All right. So now we come to chapter 6 through 11. So that's where we're going to spend the rest of our time here. And we're going to talk about certain commands and warnings. Okay, certain commands and warnings. So first of all, chapter 6, verses 1 to 5, is focused on the command to love the Lord. They were to love the Lord. And I'm going to be honest with you, this is a central command even for us. In fact, do you remember when the teacher of the law asked Jesus the question, what are the two greatest commandments? Do you remember that question in the Gospels? What was the answer? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And what? Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, on these two hinge what? The whole law. So the basis of everything is this one commandment. Do you understand what I'm saying? The basis of Everything is this one commandment. In fact, I'll be honest with you. I encourage you, listen to, if you have a chance, listen to the Finding Clarity podcast because we talk about spiritual apathy. A lot of times we'll say we're spiritually apathetic or indifferent. Well, it's because the service is boring. It's the same old thing over and over. I'm tired of George's voice. He's not speaking to me. You know, I don't get anything. I'm, I'm burned out from serving the Lord. You know, we say all that kind of stuff. The issue isn't any of that, folks. The issue is the reason why you're spiritually apathetic, the reason why you're spiritually indifferent, is because, Jesus says, you've lost your first love. It's your love. And you got to get that back. And that's what we talk about in that podcast. So let's talk about loving God here, all right? 
So Israel is called to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. So every part of you, that's really what it's saying here. He breaks down your life in such a way that says that every part of you, he's saying to Israel, needs to love me. That's true for us as believers, right? We need to love him. And especially, can I be honest with you? Think about this. We have all the more reason to love him. Why? Yeah, because he, Jesus forgave us our sins. Did you know, do you know what I'm saying? Because remember, their sacrificial system, what types of sins were forgiven and what types weren't forgiven? Sins of ignorance were forgiven. Intentional sins, remember, there was no sacrifice for that. Isn't that amazing? So Israel was called to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. By fearing and obeying the Lord, they would find prosperity and a long life in a new land. That section tells them, you're like, if you fear God, if you love him, and you obey him, then you're going to have prosperity in the land, and you're going to have a long life there. You're going to have a long life. That's what this section is telling them. So Israel was to maintain God's law in their hearts and teach it to their children. Chapter 6 is a very important piece of scripture. Oftentimes when you have Christian parenting books, we'll refer to this. It talks about the parents teaching their children. I'm going to be honest with you folks. For some reason today, we think we shouldn't, that it's wrong for me to teach my children. Really? If you're not teaching your children, somebody else is. Did you understand what I'm saying? If you're not teaching your children about the Lord, somebody else is. Can I be honest with you? The key to your child's spiritual life is not the youth group at a church. Because they only give them one hour, maybe a fun activity a month. Did you understand? The key to your children's spirituality is you living out your faith before them. Now, they have to decide seeing that, okay? But you have a responsibility. Israel had a responsibility to teach it to their children. So in their prosperity, he's warning them here in this passage, in their prosperity, Israel was to be careful not to forget the Lord. Isn't that true? Isn't that what happens when everything's going well? When, when we, everything's going our way and, and, and we've got everything happening the way we want to, who do we tend to forget, folks? God. Who do we remember when things go bad? God, right? Yeah. Someone said that that's why God allows trials to happen in our life. Why? So that we remember him. You know what I'm saying? So that we remember him. So in their prosperity, Israel was to be careful not to forget the Lord. Israel, again, it's reiterated again. He's already told them to teach it. Again, further in the passage, he, he just reiterates the point. Israel had to transmit to their children how God redeemed them from Egypt. So we're not just teaching them how to live moral lives. We're teaching them, we're teaching them what God did, what God's doing. You know what I'm saying? That he's alive. See, sometimes we communicate 
that God is simply a God of rules, but that's not true. God personally interacts with you. You've got to teach that to your children. You've got to tell them how God personally interacts. The Lord calls Israel to destroy, so now we see the section concerning the uh, chapter 7, and it's the, the call to make war. The Lord calls Israel to destroy the Canaanite nations in order to receive the land. So in chapter 7, the whole chapter is devoted to God telling them, I want you to go in there and wipe out the, the Jezebites, wipe out the Canaanites, wipe out the Hittites. I mean, he's got a whole list of people there. He tells them exactly what they're to do when they take over the land. Destroy all the altars, destroy all the high places, destroy all the idols, cleanse the land, and it's yours because I told you that you would have this land. That's what God's telling them here. You bring vengeance upon them. I am judging these nations. And you are my instrument of judgment on these nations. Okay? So we see that there. Then we come back to chapter 8. And when we get to chapter 8, we're going to see from chapter 8 to chapter 10 the warnings. Okay? So here are the warnings. First of all, they must remember the wilderness and their dependence on God for everything. So he's warning them, remember the wilderness. One of the big things you can remember from the wilderness is, is why they had to wander around in the wilderness. And when you think about the wilderness, you think about what they had to experience in the wilderness when they didn't do right. What's a big reminder to us sometimes, folks, when God takes us to the woodshed because we did our own thing and we're reminded that when we made that mistake, we're, we're, we had to suffer for it. God doesn't remove the consequences from our lives. He forgives us, but he leaves the consequences what? So that we learn from them, right? We learn from them. In their prosperity, Israel, here's another warning. We've already seen it once before. In their prosperity, Israel was to be careful not to forget the Lord. Hey, guys, that's so true for you and I, isn't it? You and I have to be, care, have to be careful each day not to forget the Lord. Not to forget the Lord. The other one is this. Israel was not to forget that the conquest was because of God, not their own righteousness. So in that section of verses, you're going to see Moses reminding the people that when you take the land, it's not because of you that you're taking the land. It's because God is the one who's giving you the victory. God is the one who's giving you the land. Remember, in your own strength, you tried to take the land back when you were at Kadesh Barnea, and what happened? You got beaten. God's saying to them, what? You've got to remind yourself that you're only able to do this because somebody else gave you the strength. Who's that somebody? God. Okay? So warning there. So then now, when you get to chapter 9 through chapter 10, he's kind of going to go through them. This is... It's like, boy, talk about Moses reminding you of all your bad stuff. He's going to go through the bad stuff with them that they did. Okay? So first thing he focused on, chapter 9, the golden calf. Remember? Aaron makes this golden calf. Here, Israel, is your God who brought you up out of Egypt. Not a good thing, was it? When we get to chapter 22, he, he mentions places, okay, places of other incidents. And there were three things specifically where they complained about what? Water, one place, 
Complained about what? Manna, another place. Complained about what? Wanting meat in another place. And, and every one of those places, God wiped out a lot of them in their complaining. Third thing, Kadesh Barnea and the 12 spies are mentioned. We see that in verse 23 and 24. What happened there? Oh, the land's great. Oh, but we can't take it. Ten of them said, no, we can't do it. So they didn't. They rejected God, and that ended up causing them to be, what, journeying around in, what, the land of Canaan. But one of the interesting things about the history of rebellion is, is that Moses points out his intercession. He points out in verses 25 to 29 that he went to God on multiple occasions to what? Pray for them. That God would be merciful to them. That God would spare them and not wipe them out. And then I think it's always amazing what you see in chapter 10 verses 1 to 11. You see God's grace. God's grace. That he didn't just, what? Let them be destroyed. Isn't that amazing? God's gracious to us. Because sometimes, hey, have you ever made a big mistake? And yeah, you face the consequences of it, but aren't you glad for God's grace that he didn't totally destroy you? Or let you be destroyed? That, that's what's going on there. All right, so then we come to chapter 12, excuse me, chapter 10, verse 12, through chapter 11, verse 32, and we're going to see a call to total commitment in this section. So, First of all, love the Lord because of Israel's election. They're to love him because what? God chose them. Here, here's the principle for you and I when you read these. You and I are to love the Lord because what? He saved us. That's the point. He saved you. You. Why you? Yeah, I think about that oftentimes. Why me? Why would the Lord save me? You know, because I have a family, a family, a bunch of family members who aren't saved. Why did he reach down and touch me? Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Why me? And that just makes you love the Lord. Lord, for some reason, you did that, and I love you. You gave me grace. Love the Lord because of his powerful deeds. Chapter 11, verses 1 through 7. Love him because he is who he is and what he can do. All right? Here's the other one. Obedience determines success and longevity in the land. Verse 8 through 25 of chapter 11. Obedience is the issue. And then he finishes up on two different mountains, the passage will tell you. He's on two opposite mountains. On one mountain, one mountain he utters curses, and then on the other mountain he goes over and he utters blessings. And you see again the blessings and the curses that are uttered. And folks, can I be honest with you? They're living the curses to this day because of their rejection of God and his Messiah. That's what we see there, okay? All right, next week we're going to continue on with the second part of the second message.